For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels, home and away. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. And welcome to CHN Radio, episode 119. I'm your host, Greg Troxell, and you can follow me at UFC underscore Greg. We have our weekly news podcast. I don't know what, what to call it. Our weekly, like, actual episode where we're not previewing or recapping any games. And this time, if you heard the Arsenal recap, it was a solo one, but this time it will not be. So you're welcome for that. And to bring in my help. The best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. Your help. That's yeah, kind of racist. Well, it depends on which way you take it, I guess. Yeah, I take it racist. During okay. Black History Month. <laughs> JK. Just This is a friendly reminder to all the, the folks out there. This is the only true black and white podcast right now for Newcastle. So, it is. Uh, shout out to us. And Unless like, Clinton Ford starts a podcast with Graham, which would be something. That would be actually pretty electric. And we might yeah, it'd be to... just hot takes. <laughs> we might have to do that. Mm. Um, we are also the most, we have the most five-star reviews of any Newcastle United podcast. Uh-oh. Yeah. All right, somebody. And uh, we also have the coolest Twitter accounts of anyone, of any podcast. Yeah. Mine, guaranteed. in particular, actually. Yeah, at Elijah at underscore Elijah Newsom. underscore Newsom. <laughs> oh, Jinx, you owe me a soda. Greg, where do the people follow you? You could have really asked for something a lot better than a soda there, but you didn't. Well, I'm already drinking a, a beer, so. Well, you cut out a whiskey. Oh, that's fair. Uh, I think, oh, I'm doing a little ASW tour this weekend. Nice. I've, I've done that a few times. It's fun. Yeah. I, and usually my, the owners are there drinking, so. That's good. My friend, his mom wanted an auction, like, VIP tour thing there, so. Or it'll be it'll be an experience. So. Oh yeah, they have uh, that new tasting room. So I haven't been there. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll bring in uh, my own bottle of Santori, which would be rude. I just wanted to point out the fact that I know what that is. So. Shout it's Santori, but yeah. No, it's Santori now. Because you said new so. rule. New rule. Yep, Elijah said so. <laughs> anyway. Um, People can follow Greg at NUFC underscore Greg. Follow the podcast account at CHN underscore radio. And, of course, the main account at Coming Home NUFC. For all the hottest takes, all the best tweets, all the funniest gifs, all the best memes, these are the, the accounts you got to follow for those things. Bars. Yes. Great job, Elijah. You killed that. So, for this show, we're going to just break down some Newcastle United topics. We're going to break them down, talk about it, give us our opinions, which are always right. We've never been wrong. And yep, uh, I've never been wrong. 
we'll we'll start it off with Mikel Arteta. Oh. He, well, actually, no. We're actually going to start it off with if we continue this podcast. How many players would you fight on a train? Zero. I mean, <laughs> that's that was the dumbest thing. Um, if you didn't know, if you haven't heard this story, um, there was some. So after the four nil drubbing that we refi- received from Arsenal, there was some players, mainly kind of kind of hilarious, kind of plain and stereotypes, like all the cool black guys were all on a train together instead of taking the team plane. And there was rumored that like they were on there because like they had pissed off Steve Bruce, which just wasn't true. Um, and then they like, like a guy was like wanting his kid to get his autograph signed. And basically they were like, no. And the, the guy was like, you guys are really mean. And they were like, Dude, come on, we just got our asses beat. Like, can you give us some space? And then Steve Bruce was like, hey, those people were not in trouble. We just gave them the option of taking the train or the plane, and they took the plane. I mean, they took the train because the plane was bumpy. So there you go. We've addressed that story. Way less exciting when I said it out loud, actually. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, I didn't even watch the video. I was like, whatever, like. This is this is a joke. I'll but, say this: no celebrity owes you shit. Yeah, but also like that I've I, I've always held know. that belief. Yeah, I I I have a different light on this. Okay, if you're a celebrity, you can either do the right thing or the wrong thing, and like giving an autograph is is never the wrong thing. That's that's my take on it. Okay. And like, um, like, yeah. yeah, I don't. As a celebrity, you wouldn't owe people autographs, but like, you just—it takes four seconds out of the day. Sign it and let them go. Yeah, it's so I it's do. easy to do. I know you could do hundreds of them, but look, you're getting paid millions to no, to, yeah, to be in fair. your spotlight. Just do it. Just do it. It's okay. Uh, you're gonna yeah. be okay. If it's the worst uh, thing that happens to you, you'll be all right. I think the only space where I differ with you in this regard, because I I think there's both ways. Like, I personally, like, and this is obviously coming from working in sports, I think we're a little less, like, sensitive to being around athletes and things like that. And then, obviously, in marketing, I'm around, like, influencers and such. Like, so I can understand why what I just said were, like, people like celebrities don't owe you shit like i can see how that was definitely an extreme but i do think there's a level of like if you know that this that this person has just gone through something horrible like you have there's there's an appropriate time and place to ask for an autograph i do think i i I understand the it takes a few seconds but like obviously like if you just lose for nothing you're probably not in the mood to talk to anyone they all had their headphones and they weren't even talking to each other. Like, I think that there's a level of like, I think that you should give people some space sometimes. And, you know, hopefully you have another opportunity to do so. And I understand completely if like, yes, this is the only possible time you, you might have an opportunity to do so, but it's like, I don't know. I don't, if like, I don't know. I, I don't want, I don't want people coming up to me if I'm in a bad mood, like ask me for things like I'm, pretty mean and like no i don't want to do this for you i just 
like had a really bad day at work or something like I don't want to take out the trash or whatever like and that's just my normal life so I don't know there's an element of yes it's it's like takes four seconds but I also think there's an element of yes please respect their space and their mental space as well but again my opinion yep so now we will move fully to Mikel Arteta as I will always say his name uh, he just admitted that he turned down Newcastle. <laughs> so Oh, wait, that's... this... Oh, th- I thought this was Mikel Marino, and I was going to be like, what is this new Mikel Marino news? But oh, it was Mikel no. Arteta. All right, well, that's nope. cool. Um, yeah, so he said that... He, it, this is his direct quote. He said, I was considering the situation at Newcastle that could change my professional and personal life. I had to put everything on the table to make that decision. I made the decision to stay where I was at the time. I believe that Newcastle are happy. What Steve has brought to the club has been really, really good. The performances and results compared to where they were last year are above any expectation. He's put together a team with a great spirit and is a manager with massive, massive experience. Well, he also didn't say a good manager at all. In that, yeah. In those, um, yeah, I, I think, and I like yeah. how he said the results are above are, any expectation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. Um, Greg, I, I mentioned this on Twitter. Um, I think it was Batman's Milkman and I who were discussing this. Shout out Will Watson. Um, but I I said that I made this statement about how, like, you and I, and I think if you if if you deny this, you're either a liar or, you like, you just forgot about this. But there was a moment when we were linked to Mikel Arteta, and there was a lot of Newcastle fans who were like, no, we don't want him. And I'm guessing it has to do with him, his antics as a player, I'm assuming. I really didn't understand the hate behind it because it's like, you don't want the guy that studied under Pep Guardiola who just won the Premier League two years in a row, three years in a row. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't want yeah. this guy. Um, but there was like a very, like, I'd say about 35% of the fan base on Twitter was like very against it. And I made a joke that was like, yeah, we could have had him. And someone and Will Watson basically argued would Newcastle really be would like would Arteta be as effective at Newcastle not having of course the the people he has at Ar- like the players he has at Arsenal which like value wise are technically better players in Newcastle I wanted to get your thoughts I mean I personally think that Newcastle would 100% be a better team if Arteta was the manager just that's just my opinion though your opinion is that they would be better I think they would be better if Mikel Arteta was the manager right now. I yeah, think, I bet, I, I I can't, bet you'd I can't, have more ideas attacking wise. Well, I also, I, I mean, I'm not going to say I, I can't say. Well, we would be, we would have 31 points at this point, but I think that we would be a much more organized team per se. And yes, we would have better attacking ideas. Maybe we would switch up how we we uh, use players, that kind of stuff. Like maybe we can run different formations. I just. It doesn't seem like Steve Bruce is able to implement one his own system to any system different than like defensive tactics, which again we're good at. There's no real reason for him to change, but he keeps complaining about how he can't change things. And three, it doesn't look like he's able to make adjustments. All of the things Mikel Arteta was able to do within a few weeks at Arsenal was completely change their system get the best out of their players, and he's been able to make tactical adjustments to keep his team in matches. They went from being one of the worst defensive teams to um, 
giving up eight goals in their past, what, eight games or something like that. And before then, they had given up 16 goals in the same such time. So they cut the goals they were letting in down in half, and they were unbeaten since January. So I don't know. I think Mikel Arteta kind of knows what he's doing, and the results, they look better than some of the results Newcastle have had. Again, my opinion. Love to hear your thoughts, though. Confirmed. That's right. my thoughts. Well, yeah, I don't. I I just I can't get behind the. Tra- I, there's so many managers you could plug into Newcastle's position, and it's like they're better than Steve Bruce. And I mean, we're stuck with what we have. I mean, I don't think Mike Ashley is going to go out and get a different manager, but I mean, it'd be cool if we if we left a door open and you know was taking taking some some phone numbers or something. I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't think I, of a good metaphor. I don't think so at all. I think he's he's here for a while if Mike Ashley's still the owner. God. Uh, next thing Jeff I wanted Bezos to discuss. Jeff out there. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, Jeff Bezos, please. Uh, another thing I'd like to talk about. Well, actually, I want you to introduce this next topic. Um, so there's a couple former Newcastle players that made some headlines this past weekend. None of which, really, only in America. Um, Kennedy wore some Kobe cleats, which R.I.P. Kobe. I'm sure, I feel like our U.K. listeners, they weren't really talking about Kobe. No, 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 don't, no, that's, that is a tad incorrect. BBC and Sky Sports were talking about a lot, so I'm sure a lot of people were exposed to the Kobe life. Okay, well, yeah, definitely, BBC Sports was, was, did a whole thing on what LeBron's comments was were uh, oh. yes during the All-Star break about it. Oh, that's good. I will oh, say no. this. Oh, sorry. Wow. Oh. They covered LeBron's – I got a couple things confused. They co- covered LeBron's tribute to him, but they mm-hmm. the recent LeBron thing was about the Astros that BBC Sports covered. Oh, yeah, which – yeah, he tweeted about the Astros or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's he, a whole nother – we could do a whole podcast on baseball, but we're not going to. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and you also, Greg, I do feel like in America, though, like there's still like – and especially on black Twitter, uh, there's still like every day I just see at least two tweets a day that are like, damn, I can't believe Kobe's gone. Yeah. Like I see those a lot. I don't know. I haven't seen those on Newcastle Twitter at all. But then again, Newcastle fans are pretty like in their own bubble. So that's the first thing is shout out to Kennedy. Uh, he's in La Liga right now. I'm yeah. not sure how he's doing, but sure. I'm uh, good enough to get featured on Bleacher Report. So good for him. Um, and then the other thing is, there's some MLS reports, and Greg has a little bit of doubt with this, and of course we can touch on this a little bit, but there's some MLS reports saying that former Newcastle standout <laughs> CM Deong could be joining the MLS uh, at the tender age of 31. He's been at Ajax the past couple seasons, fallen out of favor within the first team. Um, there were some rumors that he could work his way back into the first team after having a pretty good Qatar camp um, during their winter break. Um, yeah. But it looks like he is close-ish, depending on what Greg might bring up, um, to joining FC Cincinnati, which is an American side that previously had a Dutch coach that wanted to play a Dutch way of football. And, um, yeah, <laughs> in a city that prides itself on its German roots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, well, the the one link is... And, and it, I mean, it makes it completely up to CM if it's going to work out. But yeah. uh, the manager resigned yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he made some racist comments. 
uh, and he resigned. So I, it depends on just the willingness to move at this point because, I mean, that is a big deal for a player, <laughs> uh, yeah. especially if they already had a relationship, which I'm assuming if they were linked, there was a relationship. Yeah. It's just my assumptions, though. I'm also assuming um, that he probably, I'm guessing he'd make DP money. So I feel like Cincinnati has one or two DP slots still open. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I guess I, I don't so know. It, I, I'm assuming he would take, he would, it'd be a pay raise. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you can't really tell with MLS clubs, to be honest, because yeah. some clubs are cheap, some clubs are not cheap, and that mm-hmm. it's just MLS. And I guess really every league, but especially <laughs> MLS. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. That's enough about former players and people who are not related to Newcastle. I guess we should actually <laughs> yeah. talk about our actual players. Yeah, let's talk about some actual ones. We had some contract agreements. According to the Shields Gazette, uh, the club still hasn't announced it. But John Joe and Matt Ritchie have agreed to deals with oh. Newcastle United. Yeah, uh, It's unclear how long the deal is, the deals are for, but... I think everybody would be okay with that happening. Yeah, I think if you'd asked me a couple months ago like about Matt Ritchie, I was very much out on Matt Ritchie. I think he's – I mean, I do still think that like on the pitch, there is some stuff that like technically he maybe is better than – he's not as good as fans make him out to be. Like last season, if you'd asked a fan about Matt Ritchie, they would – argue he's one of the best left wing backs in Premier League, and it just simply wasn't true. Like, there was that stat about him completing the most crosses in the Premier League, and it was like, yes, because he attempts the most crosses in the Premier League, and a lot of them are not good, Um, but after hearing what other players have said about him and just, like, the mentality that you can physically, like, you can literally see that he brings a different level mentality, um, or a different level of intensity to the side when he's in the team, and then just the fact that he essentially is an on-field coach. I do think it's important for him to be at this club, especially if Steve Bruce is still here, because if Steve Bruce is not going to give tactical instructions, it's good to have someone who could direct the team. So. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is his, like, he remember he want, he want, there's all the reports that he wanted to leave. Yeah, he wanted to leave, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's pretty interesting stuff that he's not leaving. <laughs> Yeah. For lack of a better word, yeah. because I mean that that seemed like pretty common knowledge. That, yeah, you know, no, it, and for two windows out. too. I mean, it was yeah. the January window of last year, and then the summer window. Um, it was like pretty well known that he wanted to leave, um, and that he was being looked at by both championship clubs and other Premier League clubs. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it's very it is interesting. I do think that there's an element of him who still he wants he still wanted to be a winger, but I do think that having Steve Bruce there as a manager definitely helps because everyone loves Steve Bruce except yeah. for like the fans and like <laughs> and the other and the other teams love Steve Bruce as well. But I guess but anyway. But so that's good. Everyone who we were worried about contracts has been agreed, right, Reg? Uh, no. No, oh, rip. And that's Matty Longstaff. Still, uh, I don't, I don't know how many people have insight into this. We've seen reports about that there's like a lot of issues between the negotiations between the clubs and Matty Longstaff's camp. But 
I don't know. I mean, it's easy to assume that because there's still not a deal and there's less than six months left in in, yeah. uh, in his contract. So, I don't know. I think this is something that we're just going to have to wait and see on. I'm not sure what's going on behind the scenes. But you got to think, like, you got to do this. You can't let him walk. And, and like, it's very – I think it's something that Mike Ashley wouldn't do anyway because – he would rather get money off of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's the other thing is that it, it it's weird that this isn't already done because, one, there's the there's the angle of, like, we would, of course, if Maddie's going to leave, we'd like to sell him. But yeah. then there's the other angle of, I mean, why why would I lose a midfielder for free and then have to buy another midfielder to replace him when I could just pay this guy more than, like, I'm, I think Sean was making, like, 980 pounds a week, which is, like, Thirty six thousand dollars, thirty six pounds, thirty six thousand pounds. Which yeah. you you can understand why they both want up uh, new contracts, but um, I they're definitely probably like you said. There's probably something that is going on between club and player, and probably just due to weekly wage and stuff like that. Like I could definitely see the long staffs as a whole um, overvaluing themselves like as players because they've played well for Newcastle and I could see yeah. Newcastle being like, well, I mean, you guys have played well, but also look at this, which is part <laughs> of negotiation. It's like, Hey, you guys played well, but like this season, you guys actually have not played well together. <laughs> so, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting how this is all handled. Like I, I'm really curious what's next for, because I mean, and, and to be fair, like, Sean Longstaff also needs a new contract. Like, I think he got an extension on just his initial deal, or if that even happened. But he's still making like essentially just above academy wages. Yeah, and you know, doing how he's done this year, it's like, do does he get more than that now? I don't know. Well, I mean, I think. If you're of if you're It'd be in harsh not to, but yeah, I mean it's one of those things where like I, I there's the point of like he is a regular in a Premier League side. So he yeah. at least deserves yeah. like, you know, the fifteen K like a week wage that, you know, it's kinda almost standard in Premier League. Or I mean really it's probably like up to like twenty, twenty five K. Like I'm sure it's like what DeAndre Yedlin and like Javier Minkia are making at twenty to twenty five K per week rate weight range. So yeah. it's like I I can understand doing that and but I mean it's also like is he is he really going to is he really worth 35 to 40k a week which is you know if you're paying Andy Carroll 70k a week every time he makes an appearance like maybe you, there's justification as to <laughs> Like it's one of those things where you, there's some questionable wage bills in Newcastle, so it, it makes it harder to negotiate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a fair wage deal. So I have a list of some of the expiring contracts coming up. So I'll okay. I'll, I'll read some of those. So uh, at the end of this year, these are the players that have expired contracts with Newcastle: Andy Carroll, Jack Colback, finally, oh. Carl Darlow, Rob Elliott, Federico Fernandez. Matty Longstaff and Mankio. Fernandez is an interesting one, huh? That is an interesting one. I'd, I'd be shocked if he wasn't re-signed. Yeah. Um, and then next year, at the end of next season, it's Rolando Ahrens, who just scored today, yeah. actually. Shout out to him. Good for him. And he scored a penalty in 
extra time. It was an FA Cup replay in Scotland. Oh. Um, Rolando Aarons, Christian Atsu, Kieran Clark, Dwight Gale, Isaac Hayden, Lazar, Murphy, uh, Henri Saive, Cher, Woodman, and Yedlin. Oh. So a lot of big decisions in the next two years. I mean, that's almost half of our senior team. And also a lot of those guys are guys where they're either um, going to be, well, a lot of them are going to be at that age where Mike Ashley doesn't like to sign players. Yeah. Uh, like yep. that above 26, 27 yep. <laughs> range. And like Claren, Kieran Clark's going to be like 28 when his contract expires probably or something like that. Uh-huh. Fetty Fernandez is already 30, I want to say. Like Yedlin will be 28, I believe, or 29 even when his is expired. So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And um, I mean, I would, I wouldn't be shocked if, like for example, DeAndre Yedlin is done at Newcastle. Yeah, just because it's like we're apparent. Like right now is DeAndre Yedlin's prime, and like they're like under Steve Bruce for sure. He's not going to get much better than this. He made no. huge strides under Rafa and, like, potentially could have continued making those strides under Rafa. But if Steve Bruce is the manager, this is this is the Yedlin. This is peak Yedlin. You're kidding, is what yep. you saw the last couple of seasons. So, I don't know. It's interesting. I would tend to agree with you. All right. Um, do you have anything else on this topic, Elijah Newsom? Uh, no. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to break down some, outside of one tidbit, uh, some more meteor information for you. Oh. Uh, so we will do that right after this. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toonami app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right, we have some youth notes, which we haven't we haven't really given a youth team update in a while. Uh, they beat Sunderland. Oh, the old U twenty three Tyneware Derby. Yeah, uh, Tom Allen scored, and so oh. did um, Yannick Torre. So that was cool. Yeah, and uh, Elias Sorensen got a red card. Oh, that hey, that's what yeah. we like to see. Yeah. Uh, it was a pretty harsh challenge. Sorensen didn't like it. He got up, started pushing and shoving, and got sent off. And so did Hell the yeah, Sunderland player. So I'm, yeah, I'm for that. Yeah, yeah. He he had a, like a nice uh, an apology post, which was the right thing to do afterwards. Um, but yeah, actually, so pretty just a, soft. A, another quick <laughs> U23 <laughs> update is they're doing a little bit better right now, and hopefully that improves. Because they are doing better, but they're also getting a new manager. Oh. you know anything about their new manager? Greg, you know I don't. So. That's why I am here, Elijah. Yeah. <laughs> I set that one up. Um, so, Newcastle are getting what's known as he's a pretty respected, well-respected manager. And to be honest, I don't know much about him either. But I can give you a little background on him. Um, his name's Chris Hogg. Chris Hogg, excuse me. Uh, he's been an Ipswich Town manager for the U23s, um, and it's actually Ipswich's uh, website. Those were the days. Uh, they are they're the ones that broke the news that are claiming that he's left 
for Newcastle. So we haven't had a, a coach in the U23s, a dedicated wait, uh, an wait, assigned question. Team. Wait, Ipswich yeah. site, those were the days? Is that like a SB Nation site or that's just a blog? What was that? I, that was... Yeah, it's it's just an Ipswich Town site. I don't think it's SB Nation. Okay, I had to say um, if if SB Nation had an Ipswich Town site, I would be like, what the hell? Where's uh, just, my Memphis nine hundred one FC SB Nation site? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely not. I I would be shocked if this was. No, it's not. It's not. It doesn't have okay. the logo. So you're yeah, good. okay. Yeah, twtt at co dot co dot uk. So oh, well, there definitely you go. Not. Definitely. Um, so they're the ones reporting it. And if you don't know anything about this person, I can tell you that he was a junior footballer for York City and Ipswich. He was a central defender. He played for Boston United, Hibernian, and Inverness Caledonian Thistle. And then he switched to coaching in 2015, and he's been with Ipswich since that time. Um, so... He's pretty respected in the youth ranks, from what I've read from other people. So this would be good. I mean, we haven't had a manager since Neil Redfern left. It's yeah. been Ben Dawson kind of overseeing it, but we haven't had a, a like an actual U23 manager managing this this team. So I'm interested to see how it goes. I know Chris is going to be very aware of it's more about development than it is about wins and losses at this point. So hopefully we can see something come of it, but. Hopefully this all works out. That's mm. not to say. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Next thing. Okay. Let's get into the to the juice. Okay. We had a an interview done by Victorino Lazaro, as I like to say, of course, but Valentino. Of <laughs> he it was uh his interview done or ninety minutes that website took the quote, and it was Lazaro talking about the position he played in. Now, if you listen to the Arsenal recap podcast, uh, I talked about it a, a bit. He had a really good first half. I mentioned it. I talked about some of the things that he did really well in the first half, and he had an abysmal second. Um, I guess, let's say he had a good 50 minutes. <laughs> Everything after, from the 50th to the 75th mark when he got subbed out was brutal. So, And he addressed that. So some of the things I'll read, and then... Elijah, uh, I'd like you to take it from there. Um, I'll just read the quotes that he said. Uh, it's a position that I've played over the last maybe two years. I'm adjusting to that. You can see that I'm a winger and my strengths are in the attack. I'm trying to learn more and more def defensively. I'm trying to learn more from there with teammates like this who help me out. It's a lot easier. Um, then he also said, we came out of the second half and within two minutes lost our game and we have to learn from that. Of course, Four nothing is a bit harsh, but if it's two o three o or four o, it's a loss, and we have to take on our shoulders. We messed up second half. We've got to keep our head up and learn from that, and hopefully bounce back next week. Unfortunately, after that, the whole team fell apart. We'll have to work on that to bounce back from those mentally tough situations. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's interesting. He he basically came out and said that he you know still trying to learn a new position. He's had less than 20 total appearances in this role. Elijah, what's your thoughts on the quotes from Lazaro? It's almost like we said that, and everyone else on Twitter was like, <laughs> no, no, he's a wingback. And we're like, mm, I don't know, I think he's a winger, because best, his best, his highest value was at a wing, as a winger. So, um, yeah, he's a winger, 
and I think that was obviously very evident. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, it will come like things uh, the, like the the good times will will come when it comes to Lazaro. But I mean, at the end of the day, it is on the manager to put his players in the best position to succeed. Um, and yeah. if Lazaro's best position to succeed is as a right winger, then you find a way to make that work. And um, whether that is a formation change or whether that is making him your guaranteed substitute in the 60th minute or whether that is starting rotating between him and ASM and Miggy as to who gets met. Like there is there's a way to make sure that you're getting the best out of him. And I mean, like, I don't want to blame. I'm not going to blame this loss on one player. But when you give up the, the the two goals that start that open the floodgates back to back, as then of course he lost his man on the back post, and then he then got nutmegged for the second goal. Like it's that that there's a there's a level of like, all right, maybe playing him at wing back is not what we need because yeah, it, it could work in other leagues, maybe in Italy where it's like. You know the the quality of players he's facing is not the same as Arsenal players on a day to day basis. But like I'm just it, it's it, we've known he's a winger. He should be playing as a winger. It's on Steve Bruce to figure out how to play him as a winger. And I mean I'm not going to give Steve Bruce advice. He's not paying me to do so. If he was though, it, it you'd probably say score more goals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I can't remember the. I don't have it in front of me, but the number of appearances that he's had is there's well over two hundred, and less <laughs> than twenty of those are in a wing back position. So he he doesn't play that role. It's like same idea of playing Amaran out of position, like, and people want to see more out of him. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't. You just can't switch like that. It's hard to do. There was a guy uh, who tried to argue with me that like. Almiron, his best position is the left winger. And I was like, I mean, his best position is Cam. And they're like, well, Rafa brought him in. Like, that. that's not why Rafa brought him in. I was like, I'm pretty sure, like, everywhere he's gone and played well, he's played a Cam. And they're like, no, no, no. That doesn't mean that's his best position. I was like, well, I mean, what what else would constitute it being his best? Like, how do you determine it, it's his best position? If that's where he's made the most appearances and had the most success, Cam is his best position. Like, I'm sorry that that is that's that's a ridiculous take. But anyway, I'm I'm over that. I just that you saying that reminded me of this random Twitter interaction. I should get off yeah. of Twitter, man. That place is a cesspool for just terrible takes. Yes, it is. I'm not going to get off Twitter though. That'd be ridiculous. Come on. I know. I didn't take it seriously. Yeah. Good. Um, so it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of things that we need to do differently. We, I, I think I've said this since our emergency pod is like, I would like, you know, if, if Yedlin or Mankio is healthy, I'd rather play them as wing back and I'd rather Lazaro like come off the bench. And then if one of ASM or Almiron are out, then he starts. Mm-hmm. So, or even if we're just doing it for fitness, like any of those I would be a big fan of. But that doesn't seem like the way he's going to be used, and I think that's an extreme dis- disservice to him and the team because we're not getting goals, and him playing wingback is not going to help that. 
Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Really. So <laughs> that's our that's our takes there. We have one more topic that okay. we're going to bring to your ears, and that is Jolinton. He's going to take a break first, or no? Yeah, we are. Okay. He's all the rage right now, and I am out on Jolin openly. You would probably disagree with that. Am I right? Yeah. Okay, so let's. I didn't talk know you were that. openly out on it. But... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, Turn it up. Uh, so let's talk about that right after this break. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Don't settle for an old Gmail address. Show your true colours with your personalised at toonarmy.com email address to use in-app or on the web. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Elijah. Yeah. Let's talk about Big Joe. Oh. Um, I kind of, I roasted him just a bit because I'm saving some of it, but... Um, Are you saving it for marriage? Like, what's going on there? No, well, for this. Oh. Um, All right, cool. I roasted him a little bit in the recap. It's... I, I, what what is your what are your thoughts on Jolinton's play right now? Um, I think there's there's multiple things that that have contributed to this. Um, like I think first and foremost, he's not a striker, which I think you and I both agree that his best position is not striker. Now the like I know your main point is that. If even if you're not a striker, if you're playing a striker, you need to do the things that strikers do. Um, and like at first, I was very much like, "All right, benefit of the doubt, he's not a striker." But then, like the more and more you hear about, it, especially shout out to the guys at the Athletic who have been really on top of like a lot of things surrounding Joel Linton, as commentators are calling him. It's actually <laughs> pretty funny, or Joe Linton. Um, <laughs> uh, like he wanted to come in and be a number nine. Even though, yep. like, he had never played it before, and he, like, wanted that responsibility, wanted the ability to come in and score goals, and that is one thing. I think my next point is that, like, all right, so first and foremost, not a striker, but he wants to be a striker. Cool. I can deal with that. That happens. Don't know if the Premier League is where you decide that you want to change positions, but, again, it's already been done. Deal's been made. Whatever. Secondly... Our tactics obviously don't lead, lean towards strikers or attackers getting a lot of chances in general. And that has largely been the case this year. Um, they're really, like Steve Bruce keeps saying, we need to get service in the Jolinton, but like that never yep. happens. So, like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what Steve Bruce wants to do. Like, there is an element of Steve Bruce has to change his tactics as a manager in order to suit the players he has, and he just hasn't done that. And Jolinton's not the only player who has struggled from this. I think. Yeah, yeah. Our our front three as a whole could be so much better if they had more direction as to what they're doing, like shadow plays, uh, anything, like st- things, that just just things to make the attack work better. And Steve Bruce has just decided that because um, he's run a bit of Rafa's tactics, and he's just decided himself that the players are not going to want to play more attacking style, which is just. A ridiculous concept in itself and like something we can definitely go into on a different pod about like how ridiculous of a statement that is but like that is something else completely different so the tactics definitely aren't in his advantage 
But there are moments where I'll say this: there are moments. There's two moments. Uh, there's two types of moments with Joel Linton. There are moments where uh, of brilliance where it's like you rec- you have to commend him for his ability to hold up play sometimes, or sometimes when he's tracking back and helping defend, or like the fact that like he is great at set piece defending. All that kind of stuff. Like there are elements of like you can see his value on the pitch, even though it's not where you'd want it to be. But then there's also times where you're like, you need to convert here. You need to convert here. And then, so so those are the two schools of thought. And then finally, I like I saw this today. Like, and I'm always reminded about this is that because Newcastle don't create a lot of chances, every one of Joel Linton's errors are just on a much larger pedestal. Like, yeah because we only create three or four chances a game and he gets two of them, like he's basically half the reason we lost the match, which is like definitely it's, it's not great. I mean, and like, ideally you want, like, if that's going to be like the way you play, then you get a proven striker, like a Rondon or like a Giroud, like people who are used, who can, if they only give them three chances to finish, they'll hit one out of three, but an unproven guy giving those same chances, it's always going to be a disaster. And um, that that's, like, my biggest thing is that, like, it's so easy to celebrate, like, a ton of these strikers. But, like, they get just so many more opportunities to score than Joel Linton. And it's, like, it's obviously no one's, no one's, no one's like, goal scoring rate is, like, 60%. It's, like, way lower than that. Like, so, um, I don't know. Those are my thoughts on Joel Linton. I definitely, I'm not, I'm not out on him completely because I think that if, a different manager were to come in and Newcastle make some changes and like essentially we're never going to see the best out of Jolinton at Newcastle as long as Mike Ashley's there that is that's kind of my take on Jolinton and I know you have a lot to say but yeah that's all I got <laughs> okay yeah so my my whole thing on him and I, I alluded to this in the last podcast but he's Rondon without the goals and that's unacceptable for a striker. That's completely unacceptable. Um, I even suggested I'd rather him not play the position, but we don't have that luxury. Now, uh, going back to like his recent, like last couple years, he has played as a striker in the last three, four years of his career. I think he has five total. Um, he's been a center forward like most of it. Like I think last year at Hoffenheim, he had like of his. 30 appearances, I think 25 of them were in the striker position. Um, and he didn't even score 10 goals in the Bundesliga. So well, he had to be nine fair, goals and six assists, which is a great Transfer marked, marked it as a striker position, but like everyone who's watched him at Hoffenheim says that he was playing more as like a secondary striker in behind someone else. More of well, not, even, had, not a false nine, but like... They had an overlapping striker thing yeah. up top. But there, I, I mean, well, I mean, but to I only point, watched should, two of if, his games. If if but, that's the case, he should have more assists as well. But that's yeah. another story. Um, yeah, he had. He, I just looked at. He has seven goals, seven assists, which is seven assists is great. But um, seven goals is is not like. Well, I think I've always said like, if you don't have ten, it's a bad year as a striker. Yeah. Um. So. And I, I've I've said this before in like I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but definitely in Slack collages, um, you know, strikers are judged differently because. And even Steve Bruce said this post game: uh, strikers are signed to score. They're not signed for their hold up play. They're not signed for service into the box. 
They're signed for one specific reason, and that's to score goals. Same with goalies. Goalies and strikers are in that same boat. Goalies are signed to save shots, and, and strikers are signed to score goals. Like, when people compare Jolinton with our attack, Almiron and St. Maximin, that's an unfair comparison because Almiron and St. Maximin are asked to do a heck of a lot more than Jolinton is. Jolinton is asked to score, and he's not doing that. He's doing other things, which I, I have commended, and I even gave him some credit on a few things that he did against Arsenal. But at the end of the day, that's not why he's here. He's not here to play 2,000 minutes and have one goal in the Premier League. That's just asinine, like terrible. <laughs> so, and that's that's why I'm out. Um, it's like, I, I, I just, like when we have, we had one clear cut chance inside the box and it was Kieran Clark. Like, that is outrageous to me. Jolinton wasn't even in the box. I, I don't understand what he's doing. He's extremely lazy getting into into goal-scoring positions. He, yeah. He's been that way for months and months. He He's done a lot better. So initially, I remember we talked about how he did. he's just terrible linking up with the midfield. To his credit, he's really good at that now, I think. Um, But he's not getting into the box now. He's giving up on plays. It's it's miserable. It's absolutely unacceptable as a striker. Like and Steve Bruce said this. Another thing he said about him in his post game is like, you know, the the service hasn't been great, but a lot of times, especially in this game, when the service was in the box, our striker wasn't. Like even if it was bad service, like there wasn't a striker in the box. He's lackadaisical. He's lagging behind the play, and like that stuff can happen. Like I'd rather him not link up with the midfield. And plant inside the box if he if he needs to, but our striker needs to be there, and we're not going to get goals if our main attacking threat, like in a position where we're playing a five four one, you need that one to be there, or else it's very hard to get goals, or that position yeah. that formation yeah. becomes irrelevant, because um, then you're just running a five five, <laughs> yeah, which isn't good. <laughs> there, there's, um, there's another that's element. Take. Yeah, there's another element of like. I think the most frustrating thing, I think it actually, my biggest takeaway from that Arsenal match had really nothing to do with Joel Linton, but just the fact that, like, our attack is, like, there are so many moments of individual brilliance, but never any moments of, like, unity with the attack at all. And it's like, like, even when all three of them are up there with, like, there were moments where, like, ASM was, like, had the ball... Joel Linton's in the box. Almiron's like on the other, like on the edge of the box or something. And like instead of swinging the ball in or instead of finding Almiron who's open, ASM just like dribbles the ball out wide. And it's like, what is that a comp? That was that. What does that do for you? There was a moment where like Almiron like was on the break, obviously by himself. And I don't know if this is completely on him. Like I think it's it's much it's more evident with Joel Linton and and ASM. And it used to be a little bit more evident with Almiron. I think he's definitely improved, but like. There's just moments of like them having so much pressure on themselves to perform that they just try to do it themselves instead of like working with each other, I think. And it's it's annoying because it like part of it is is definitely part of our attacking woes is on Steve Bruce, but part of it is on the players as well. Like like Joel Linton not sprinting the box. I'm not making an excuse for him, but like I mean, the times he has sprinted into the box and has found those positions ASM plays him a terrible ball because he's waited too long or Miggy's cross is overhit or like he just doesn't get the ball at all. And it's like, I get that you want him to be there, 
But I also do think, like, the whole attack as a whole has just been awful. And there's so much, there's so many elements of selfishness that are kind of rearing their ugly heads now that we're late into the season that were kind of covered up by the last minute wins and the, the last minute draws and all that kind of stuff that, like, kill our attack, not just, like, Joel Linton. I'd say Joel Linton kills a lot of our attack a lot of times sometimes. Well, I'd say our attack as a whole kills itself because there's so many moments where they're all alone by themselves or they're just choosing to take the harder option instead of playing simple pass. Like there's just a lot that has to be fixed with that. Um, and then in addition to that, like, I guess my other thing, um, regarding Joel Linton. And then after this, I have one more question I have for you. Um, but my other thing regarding Joel Linton is like, There was, there was a moment where Ralph Benitez criticized Ayose Perez and said that he needed to be more consistent and essentially said, like, if he was more consistent, he'd be at a top club. And then we saw Ayose Perez become more consistent. But it wasn't just because Ralph Benitez said Ayose Perez needs to be more consistent. He needs to be scoring more goals on a consistent basis, blah, blah, blah. It was because Ralph Benitez brought in a player, Miguel Amron, and changed his tactics offensively in order to best suit Iose Perez and Solomon Rondon. Like, the manager also took a little bit of responsibility for, like, one of the best players not performing. Or a player with high expectations not performing. And so far with Steve Bruce, I've just seen excuses from him as to why Joel Linton hasn't worked out. And criticism from him. And, like, to be fair, deservingly, it's deserved criticism for Joel Linton. But I haven't seen Steve Bruce do anything to 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 fix it on his own like i i don't i mean and maybe it's stuff i haven't noticed like maybe him linking up the midfield is is part of steve bruce but as a whole i haven't seen newcastle do anything to actually alleviate the issues that steve bruce complains about regarding joel linton like yeah and and And, i think that's 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 annoying i mean yeah yeah, I, i don't know that's just annoying that and that's kind of the how i wanted to wrap this up and and this is kind of i guess kind of a cliffhanger for next week because I, I don't know about you, but I'm not expecting much to change this yeah. weekend. Um, but that this is, I wanted to kind of continue this conversation into next week, regardless of the outcome, because uh, even if it's a one-off say Jolinton gets a hat trick, maybe we won't talk about it, but if, you know, especially if he doesn't score uh, or we don't score, which is extremely likely at this point, it's a conversation that we need to have. Um, and there's somebody who's not take not taking any putting any blame on himself, but always saying, "Oh, it's the previous manager, the previous manager, the previous manager." Um, instead of blaming himself or his attacking tactics or any of that stuff, uh, that's something that, we, that needs to be brought up. Um, I do believe that regardless of how defensive the team is, strikers will still score. Yeah, but uh, you. It'd be completely naive of anyone to not also blame the manager's tactics in this situation. Yeah. So and we, it, it's I, a it's frustrating because it's it's much easier to to just put all of the blame on one player once. But there's just like so many issues that have com- led to the combination of like it's a combined yeah. effort for like how bad Joel Linton and this attack as a whole has been. Because like as much as we want to we praise Almiron and, and ASM like the attack as a whole has what three goals and two assists something like that yeah like those front three like it it well four goals maybe 
Maybe ASM has two goals. Yeah, four well, goals. Well, in the Premier League. In the Premier League, yeah, three goals. Four. Sure. Well, I don't know. Oh, it, no. Yeah. Whatever. Either way, it's, it's not bad. great. It's it's really bad. And, um, like, so there's definitely, like, yeah, there's there's a lot to, to be fixed. Because even mm-hmm. under Rafa's team, it's like, yeah, we played defensively. But at the end of the last season, we had two players in our attack with 20 goals. Like, well, I mean, they had 20 goals combined. So, um, I don't, I don't, it's like, you can't really throw around like, oh, it's just Rafa's tactics because his tactics actually led to some goals. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. So Greg, I guess this is my final thought. Um, and it's something I saw thrown around. And if you're listening at this point and you're still listening, uh, shout out to you, um, for making it, uh, this far, but, um, there was some people saying drop Joel Linton and, play ASM as a false nine. I guess in this situation, um, Lazaro actually is playing as well. So you should have a, like a, a five, really like a five, two, three with ASM as a false nine. Yeah, I actually, I talked about this a little bit on the recap as well. Well, maybe I should uh, listen to the recap. Which <laughs> by the time this podcast comes out, I would have listened to the recap. So Yeah, well, it no, it's fine. I... I, I just I'll, I'll say the same thing on there, and I'm I'm stealing this answer. I think it's a pretty obvious answer, though. Um, like it, it wouldn't work. Um, and ASM has played as a striker before, and I remember everyone I pretty much was in agreement that it was a pretty terrible yeah. project. And he um, even said that he, he thrives on building up from the attack, like taking the ball in the midfield and bringing it to the attack. And, and making players miss and going on long runs. He, he's not a guy who's sitting and waiting. He needs to be in the action. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets very lost. Well, the one time I've seen him play striker, he was extremely lost. It, it, he just I think he would get bossed by center backs just sitting back there. Oh, yeah. It would just not be good. I mean, I, I get why people are searching around for it, but we really don't have any other options right now unless Andy Carroll gets healthy. Yeah, that's and literally it. Also, just... Last thing, um, for real. There's there's a common I wouldn't say it's a myth, but there is a common like theory going around about Steve Bruce saying that we were completely fine at the window um with strikers. And I'll say this. When Manchester United was so desperate that they had to like sign a thirty year old striker who whose best moments in the Premier League were what a few years ago? Like you just have to know, like this January window was not a window where strikers were available, and Newcastle they they inquired about a lot of strikers. Like they did, they really did, and none of them were available. So I do do want to throw that out there that like Steve Bruce, yes, he did say he was fine with his options that he had, but like he had to say that because the window was over. And the strikers were, were, there were no strikers brought in. There were no strikers available to be brought in. So he had to say like, oh yes. Yeah. We like, I mean, so I'm, I'm tired of people pushing this narrative that like, oh, well, this is another match where we don't have a striker on the bench. It's like, trust me, if Steve Bruce, if there was a striker available that wanted to come to Newcastle, Steve Bruce would have had him at Newcastle. But. Well, if Mike Ashley wanted, well, yeah, we would have loaned him in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we would have loaned him in at a minimum. Like, (laughs) I mean, I guess. People are going to throw Jared Bowen. Jared Bowen's not a striker. Like, Jared Bowen is a, a guy who scores a lot of goals, but, like, 
he's not the striker that Newcastle need in a 5-4-1. I'm sorry. That is just, we've talked about this multiple times. Like, he, I don't know where you'd play him, like, but he's not the striker in the current formation Newcastle have. Newcastle needed big, powerful strikers with good hold-up playability um, that can make runs in the box, crash the box, aerial threats. All those guys are not available for Newcastle to sign. So, I don't know. I just wanted to, once again, make that statement because everyone's, like, very up in arms. It's like, yes, I know you don't like playing Joel Linton. I know. I'm sure Joel Linton wants a break, too. I mean, the guy's been playing injured literally since beginning of the January window. Like, he's had a, a different injury this whole time. And for some reason, Muto and Gale have not been able to get healthy. So, I don't know. Um, Just, please. We get it. Yeah. We couldn't bring in a striker. Let's leave it at that. And we will leave it at that. <laughs> um, for real. Is there is there any last words that you'd like to say, Elijah? Uh, sorry, John, for making this more than 45 minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, that concludes episode 119 of CHN Radio. We will. You'll have another podcast on Friday previewing our next match against Crystal Palace. So until then, we I hope you enjoy this podcast. And uh, that concludes everything. I'm Greg Troxel. That's the best damn co-host in the land. Elijah Newsom. This is the best song you've ever heard. Coming home to Newcastle. We'll see you at the end of the week. And away the last. The dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Geordie And to live in Geordie land Some people think we're bawdy And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother saying, hey, how I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark at St James's Park, if the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll break.
Rear the dog, it's in James's pocket, the guy.